Well, good morning, Canyon Hills. My name is Pastor Matt, and it's just a delight to be here with each and every one of you this morning. And I know that video may seem a little bit unorthodox to start our message with this morning, but you'll see where I'm going with it in just a minute. How many of you can relate to this man and say that you have ever run out of gas while driving your car? Raise your hand. All right, a lot more than I thought. Amen. That makes this message so much easier this morning. Uh, Well, I'm sorry for that too, by the way. But most of us know this horrifying reality of running out of gas. And if you've never experienced it before, I just want to set the stage, unfold the drama a little bit for you this morning that this experience contains. You're just driving in your car, minding your own business, when all of a sudden this little orange or yellow indicator light pops up and says, hey, you've got low fuel. And you see it, you're driving, you recognize it, you acknowledge the fact that it's there, but somewhere deep down inside of you, you begin to argue with that light. And you say, you know what, this light is just a ploy by the oil companies to get me to spend more money, so I have to go buy more gas frequently and do all these things. Or maybe you say, you know what, this is just a manufacturing gimmick. I know my car better than the manufacturer does. I got 10, 15 more miles easily before I'm actually out of gas. And you begin to rationalize it in your head and say, you know what, I can do it. I'm just going to go for it. And you ignore the light. You acknowledge it, say, okay, I recognize, thanks, I'll take care of it on my own. You keep driving throughout your day and run your errands. You go home, you eat dinner, play with the family, go to bed. And the next morning you wake up, you get ready for work. You go to your car, turn the car on. And what happens? You're greeted by this oh so not so friendly light this time that says you are still low on fuel. You're still almost out of gas. And there's this anger that kind of overtakes you because you say, man, this is ridiculous. How come the magical gas fairies didn't fill up my car overnight? Or if my car really is so smart and autonomous, why didn't it drive itself to the gas station and fill up while I was sleeping? I mean, come on, technology should be able to do that by now. So you start to play in your head and you think, okay, I've got a couple options. I can take another car to work. I can call for an Uber. I can get a taxi. I can call AAA and have them fill up my tank. Or because I live in California and I like living on the edge, I can risk it. I can just go for it and I'm just going to take a chance, take a gamble, and I'm going to see if I can make it to the gas station with however much fuel is left inside my tank. And we actually do that. In fact, AAA tells us that's true because in an article they published, it says that over the last two years, there was a 25% increase in calls from roadside assistant and people needing gas replaced in their cars. That's 800,000 drivers a year calling AAA because they've run out of gas on the road. That's crazy for me to think about. But nevertheless, we do it and we go and we're driving and we're just kind of laser beam focused on this needle, watching it as it slowly goes past that E mark, right? And you begin to plead with your car like it's some magical genie. Just give me another mile. Just give me another couple feet, one more driveway. As long as I can coast into the gas station, I'll be fine, right? You start pleading with your car, but then the inevitable happens. And you hear the one sound you don't want to hear, silence. Your engine shuts off, you rapidly lose speed, and you're forced to pull over to the side of the road, and you find yourself stuck. You're empty, you're depleted, you've got nowhere to go, you've got no gas left inside your tank, and once again, this frustration, anger, confusion, doubt, worry, this feeling of, man, I'm just alone. I'm stranded. I'm just devoid. I have no power left. What do I do? And the reason why I ask that question and bring up this analogy is because it leads me to the bigger question this morning of how many of us have ever had this same feeling, but spiritually? And what I mean by that is that you're just going through life, but all of a sudden you find yourself just spiritually depleted. 
like you're empty inside. You've got no more gas left to go forward. And you know what I'm talking about, where you say that you're a Christian and you talk the talk, but it's a little bit harder these days to walk the walk. Yeah, you go to church, but it's more out of a duty than out of a desire of the heart. It's a thing that we just do on Sundays rather than because you want to go to church. And yeah, maybe you pray occasionally. Maybe you open your Bible every now and then. Maybe, just maybe, you give every once in a while, but it's never sacrificially. It's never above and beyond out of an abundance and a joy from the heart. No. You see, there are so many of us as Christians who are going through this life with our spiritual tanks quarter full or less. And we're just watching that gas needle slowly go further and further and further towards the empty mark. And we choose to do nothing about it. And we just go and continue on the motions thinking, yeah, someday I'll fix it. Someday I'll put more gas in the tank, but we never do. And we get to this place where we're just depleted, where we're empty. We feel alone. We don't feel like, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go from here. And the sad reality is that there are a lot of Christians all across the world who constantly feel like this every single day. But you know, Jesus never intended us to live our life this way. In fact, he tells us in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. Do you get that? The thief comes to kill, to steal, and destroy. The thief wants to rob you of your energy. He wants to take from you. He wants to deplete every living ounce inside of you. But Jesus has come to do what? To bring life and to give it to us in the full. See, Jesus wants our lives to be full. God wants us not to go through this life with our spiritual tanks approaching empty. And he sure didn't come and send his son to die on the cross for us, to sacrifice his life so we would just be pushing these dead spiritual vehicles all around the world. He says, no, I've called you to something greater. I've given you something greater. It's life. And not just a quick little fill up, it's life to the full a life in abundance, a life that is overflowing. That's what I want for your life. But how do we get that? How do we deal with that? Because most of us just feel like we're running on fumes, that we're empty. You know, for me personally, I felt this when I was the very tail end of college. I was taking 21 units at this time, and I was working two full-time jobs and trying to do ministry all in the middle of it. So I would start classes at 7 a.m. in the morning. I would go until about lunch. I would race off. I would do work, and then I'd come back, and I would take night classes and then still find some time to write messages for the youth ministry that I was leading, do social engagements, write papers, study for exams, and I was just depleted. I just felt overwhelmed with life, and there was just so much going on. And I got to the point when it became free time for me, when I didn't have work, I didn't have school, I wasn't doing ministry. Part of me was like, man, I really needed to be reading the Bible. I should be, you know, spending some time with the Lord, but it was the last thing that I wanted to do. Because I felt, man, I'm studying the Bible in school, I'm doing Bible for ministry. Every part of my life is focused on this Bible, this spiritual thing. I'm just tired. And why would I want to spend my free time doing this? And with that mentality, I kept going for a year or two, and I just felt myself depleted. I felt myself burning at both ends, like I was just gunning my spiritual car at full speed, but I was never replenishing the gas inside of it. And it was hard for me to have that shift and to come back, but I did do it because I learned the secret of what God wants to do for us, that God wants us to live life and to live it to the full. And I ask myself, how do I get that? How do I go from a season of feeling depleted and empty all the time to a season of abundance, to a season where I feel like, man, you know what? God is living and breathing and moving inside of me and giving me this fullness that only he can breathe. 
And that was an uncomfortable question for me to ask myself. Because when I truly started to think about it, and that's what this whole series is really focusing on, this idea of uncomfortability. Because when we look at our lives, we start to question and say, why do I feel spiritually drained all the time? Why do I feel depleted? Why do I feel empty? When I look around and I see other people's faith, other people's relationships with God, mine's not even close to that. Yeah, maybe it was at one point in time, but I don't feel that now. I just feel dead. I feel empty inside and I don't know what to do. And it's an uncomfortable realization that we have inside of our lives because we start to ask the question, am I even really walking with God every single day? Does God really exist in my life? And yeah, we go to scripture and we say, well, I know in the Bible it says that, the, that God brings this Holy Spirit that's supposed to fill us up and give us all this great stuff. But where is it? I don't feel it in my life. I mean, yeah, we see in scripture that Jesus said the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and filled him up and he did these great things. And the Holy Spirit came like tongues of fire and filled the apostles and they did these great miraculous things and were energized and just changed the world for God. But where's my miraculous moment? Where's my sign that the Holy Spirit's filling me up? Where's my physical manifestation that I can see and grab a hold of that energizes me and go? And because we don't see that, we start to doubt. We start to say, well, the Holy Spirit's never even been a part of my life. Because if it was, I'd feel more energized right now. I'd feel more full. But where is the Holy Spirit? And is the Holy Spirit I read in Scripture the same thing that fills me up as well? I just, I don't understand it. And so what I want to do this morning is kind of tackle that uncomfortable question real quick. I want to look at three different facets. First, talking simply about what is the Holy Spirit. Then I'm going to move into how does the Holy Spirit fill us up? And then last what does the Holy Spirit do for us? And we have to start by answering this question of what is the Holy Spirit? And I know this sounds like a very rudimentary, basic, simple question, but we have to lay the foundation for this because I think a lot of us have it wrong. See, the Holy Spirit isn't an it. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is God. It's a person with intellect, with emotion, The Holy Spirit has feelings. We know that as part of God, the Holy Spirit is part of the Holy Trinity of God the Father and God the Son. The Holy Spirit can feel things. In fact, as the Friends denomination, we have something called a faith in practice. And what faith in practice is, is it pretty much is what we believe as a denomination of believers and why we believe them. And our faith in practice actually talks about this. Look what it says. It says, we believe in the one and only God who exists eternally in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's what we believe, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is part of this Trinity package. But maybe you're like me, and I have always struggled to fully understand what the Trinity is. How do I grasp this concept of the Trinity? In fact, there was a professor at the Fuller Theological Seminary by the name of Wilbur Smith, And he once said that the man who seeks to deny the Trinity will lose his soul, but the man who seeks to understand the Trinity will lose his sanity. And I like that because it's so real for me because we are people who are bound by limits. We are a finite people, but God is an infinite God. God doesn't have limits. And we try to understand this. We always fall short every single time. And I've heard this Trinity described in so many different ways. And maybe you can relate to this. You've heard it as, oh, the Trinity is like the man. There's the the body, there's the soul, and there's the, the mind, right? These three parts of it. But which one is the man? Which one represents the spirit? 
Or we say, you know what, the Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, it's kind of like H2O, right? It's either a water, it's a solid, or it's a vapor. It could be any one of these things, but they're all technically the same thing. But which one is H2O? Or if I were to look at my own life, as a man, I'm a husband, I'm a father, and I'm a son. But which one of those three makes me a man? You see, no matter how we try to give an analogy to understand the Trinity, we're always going to fall short. And it only gives us a glimpse into the true characteristic of who God is. But we spend so much time focusing on trying to grasp the Trinity, we miss out on the basic truth. And the basic truth is this. The Holy Spirit, as part of the Trinity, is God. The Holy Spirit is a person. And we know through Scripture, when we look at it, the Holy Spirit has intentions. It shows willful discernment. The Holy Spirit loves. The Holy Spirit communicates. The Holy Spirit teaches us. The Holy Spirit helps us. The Holy Spirit is a vibrant part of our lives, being a part of God, containing all of his attributes. And the Holy Spirit has always been with us. A lot of us think, man, the Holy Spirit is just this thing that comes once I'm a believer, but the Holy Spirit's been here from the very beginning. We read in the book of Genesis that the Spirit was hovering above the waters of the earth. In Revelation, we read that the Spirit and the bride cry together in one voice. From the very beginning, the Spirit has been creating in us. And at the very end in Revelation, the Spirit has been tending to us. Because the Spirit is a counselor. The Spirit is a helper. The Spirit is a comfort. The Spirit is a guide. The Spirit is a reminder. The Spirit is a teacher. The Spirit is an advocate that goes on our behalf. This is what the Holy Spirit is. And this is what God wants us to be filled up with in our lives constantly. But you see, this is where we fall short as Christians because we think it's just enough to have the Spirit with us. And we go throughout this spiritual life thinking the Holy Spirit's like this reserved gas tank we keep at the back of our trunks of our spiritual cars that we only tap into and we only use once we're depleted. That when we get to a point where we're suffering or we're in a trial and a tribulation, we're at the lowest of lows, we say, you know what? I'm now going to call upon the Spirit and try to fill me up, give me a little boost to get me back on track. But God says, no, that's not what I have intended for you. I don't want it just to be with you. The Holy Spirit can't just be with you. It must live inside of you. It needs to fill you up. The Holy Spirit should be overflowing in you in every single thing that you do in every facet, in every part of your life, because that's what I have designed. That I want to bring you life, an abundant life, but not just life on a quarter tank, not just life that's half empty, life that's to the full. Life that's overflowing with grace and love and mercy and kindness and forgiveness and these amazing things that I want to instill inside of you. How do we get that? How do we fill ourselves up with the Holy Spirit? If now we know what the Holy Spirit, we know that it's God, how do we do that? And that's our second question this morning, is how are we filled with the Holy Spirit? If we truly want to step into this abundant, new, miraculous life that God has called us to, we have to become filled with the Holy Spirit. Because if we try to fill our lives with other earthly things, we're always going to fall short. I mean, even Solomon says, if we try to fill our lives with possessions, uh, toys, you know, houses, cars, clothing, education, all these things, we're always going to be left unsatisfied. It's never enough. It's vanity. It's like a chasing after the wind, he says. He says, if you truly want to experience life and life to the full, the only thing that can fill you up is Jesus, is the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit instills inside of you. And so we need to fill our lives with the Holy Spirit. But how do we do that? 
And before I talk to you about how we do that, we need to understand what this word full really means. And looking it up in the dictionary, the word full is defined as the following. It says containing as much as possible, being complete, being at the highest degree, possessing a rich quality, and being satisfied. If we were to put these into Christian terms, when we become full of the Holy Spirit, we contain as much of God in our lives as possible. And when we contain as much of God in our lives as possible, we become completed in him because we are part of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And as part of his death, burial, and resurrection, we are risen to the highest degree because we have risen again with him to conquer over death, to step into a new life with him, the highest possible that we can get. And when we're at this highest possible degree, we begin to possess these rich qualities called the fruits of the spirit like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. These are the things that he's placing inside of us to encourage us, to lift us up, to fill us to the point where we become satisfied, where we're completely full. We're lacking nothing because the spirit has filled us and there's no void. We don't have a desire. We don't have a need for anything else because the spirit provides everything we could possibly want and more. And when I think of this word full, and I think of this word satisfied, the first picture that comes to mind is Thanksgiving dinner, right? You guys know what I'm talking about, where you sit down with family and friends, and you eat the turkey, and the stuffing, and the mashed potatoes, and the gravy, and the rolls, and the cranberries, and the yams, and you have pie, and it just keeps going on and on and on, right? And you just keep putting more on your plate. You keep eating more and more, and finally, when you're done, you kind of just waddle over to the couch, and you sit down and just kind of melt into the cushions, right? It's because you're so full, you're so content, so much so that if the house were to burn down, you would burn with the sofa because you can't even move a muscle. You're just so content, just like, ugh. The other way that I see it is when I'm feeding my son Oliver, we do something that's called, he's milk drunk, where he drinks so much milk, his arms just kind of flail back like this. And he's just, he's out, he's tired, right? That's to me what it appears as being full of the spirit to be fully satisfied and content where you just, you're letting him take control that you can't even move a muscle apart from him. And everything that you do is being filled, is being, is being tended to by the spirit that lives inside of us. And that's what God wants us to be. He says, I don't want you just to go half full. I don't want you just to go quarter full through life. I want to fill you up. I want you to be so content that you have no desires in your life because I am providing every single one of them for you through the Holy Spirit. How do we get that? How do we truly step into a life that is full in the Holy Spirit? Well, once again, our faith and practice, it actually talks about this. It says this, we affirm that every believer receives the Holy Spirit at the point of their conversion and not as a result of any rite, such as water baptism or the laying on of hands. And we believe that the only essential biblical sign that one has been baptized with the Spirit is a transformed life. And as the Spirit of Christ dwells within us, He's fully present to lead us and directly teach his will to us. See, what we can pull from that is that having the Holy Spirit fill us up, it's not some rite, it's not some ritual, it's not some checklist, it's not some obligation. Simply, it's having a relationship with God. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's about having and building your relationship with God. Think about a farmer for a second. A farmer's ultimate end game is to have produce. It's to, to yield fruit, Right? They want this fruit. They want to be able to have this thing, but their relationship isn't with the fruit. It's with the plant. 
that they have to tend to the plant. They have to nurture the plant. They have to grow the plant, water the plant, make sure they're spending time with the plant, investing in the plant. And the more that they invest in the plant, the more that they tend to the plant, the better the fruit becomes. The more vibrant, the more luscious, the more bigger the fruit begins to bear within this plant. And the same thing is true in our lives. If we truly want to have the Holy Spirit overflowing inside of us, growing, bearing so much fruit, it starts by tending to our relationships with Jesus Christ, by building our relationships with God. And we do that every single day by praying, by reading our Bibles, by having fellowship with one another, because the more and more time that we spend with God, the more he begins to invest in us. And the more he begins to invest in us, the more the fruits of the Spirit begin to grow inside of us to where we become overflowing with the Spirit because we're daily seeking this relationship with God. Because we have no other desires. We have nothing else that we want because we're solely focused on investing in Jesus so he can invest back in us and place that Holy Spirit inside of our lives so much so that it overflows. That the Spirit becomes manifested not just in us, but through us. God begins to do a miraculous thing in the world, in the kingdom, through the fruits that he is instilling inside of us every single day. That's what he's called us to. That's what he wants for our life. That's where it goes. But how do we do this? How do we build our relationship fully with Jesus Christ? Well, the uncomfortable, simple answer is we have to get to a point of true surrender. And that's our key word for today is surrender. The reason why I bring this up is because we have to learn to surrender control over to God. Because if we try to take control of our own lives and live our lives thinking that we know what's best, we're never going to use these fruits of the Spirit because we're never tapping into the power and the resources that God has given to us. He says, no, I want to invest in you. I want to build in you. I want to fill you up. But the only way I can do that is if you let me fill you. If you surrender over control, you surrender over the control of your life and let me take charge. You see, every single day that I am reminded in my life of my shortcomings and my failures, but it's when I truly recognize these and I surrender and I start to spend time with God, I begin to intimately and clearly see him and know him and know that I can't do this whole life thing on my own. That if I try to do it, I will fail every single time. Then I need help. And that help comes from God in the form of the Holy Spirit, a helper to guide us, to teach us, to empower us, to equip us, to allow us to radiate his glory and his presence in every single thing that we do through our lives. That's what he wants for you, to live a life that is satisfied and to the full. That's what he's called us to. And yeah, it may be uncomfortable because we have to surrender. We have to release control. But once we do that, he takes us to a whole new level. He takes us to a place that we never thought was possible because he fills us with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit gives us what we need to survive every single day. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. And that's the third part and our final part of our question this morning is what does the Holy Spirit really do for us? That if we truly learn to get to a place of surrender and let God take control, we realize that he answers every single time. That he steps in when we're struggling the most, when we're in our trials, when we're in our tribulations, our temptations, God fills us with his Holy Spirit to help us, to equip us, to transform our lives. I'm made aware every single day that my flesh is waging war against me, that my desires, my temptations, these things, they're overwhelming at times. But I know 
that if I tap into the Holy Spirit, that it'll keep me on the right path. And I truly believe that we as believers, we as Christians, every single morning, we need to get on our hands and knees to start off our day and say, God, today's a new day. Today, new challenges, new trials, new tribulations await me, but we pray that you fill us with your spirit to stand strong in the face of these. Because that's what his spirit does. It helps us. It intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit comforts us and guides us and does these amazing things for us. And once again, our faith and practice, it talks a little bit about this. It says this, one benefit of the spirits indwelling is that all believers are given spiritual gifts for the benefit of the church and of the world. And we affirm these gifts are given for service and the glorification of God, and that no gift is ever meant to serve as a necessary sign of the Holy Spirit's presence in the life of the believer. And what we truly attain from this is that God says, I want to give you this free gift, this free helper. It doesn't mean that by having these gifts that you're going to, everybody's going to know that the Holy Spirit lives in you, but it's about tapping into the power that is so freely given to us. He says, I know that this world is hard. I know that life is tough. I know that you're going to have rough times in your life, but I want to help you. I want to send you something. I want to fill you up with something that's truly going to change your life from the inside out but you have to be willing to grab a hold of it. And we even see this in John 16, 7. It says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. See, when I think of the Holy Spirit, this is exactly how I picture him. He's a helper. That he comes to me at my time of need. That when I'm struggling, when I find that my flesh is waging war against me, the Spirit is always there. I'm the one that's oblivious to it. And so many times we think, man, where's the Spirit? We pray, God, Spirit, come fill me because you're not here right now. But no, the Spirit is always present. The Spirit is always with us. And we need to change our mindset to understand that God wants us to be full of the Spirit. Not just call upon it when we think that we need it, but to be living daily with the Spirit radically moving through our lives. Letting these fruits of the Spirit bear in our lives, just like a vine produces healthy fruit. That's what he calls us to. That's what he wants for us. Because he wants us to feel true joy. He wants us to have hope in the midst of the darkness that exists around us. You know, in Romans 15, 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. See, this is hope as God hopes. This is a hope that only God can provide to us because this world is a dark, abysmal place. But God says, I want to bring you joy. I want to bring you hope. I want to bring you help. And the way that you grab a hold of those things is by letting the Spirit fill you up. Even when you think maybe it won't. Even when you think that you're tired. You know, I had this real experience with this actually yesterday. And it was really interesting. Whenever I'm working on a message or preparing a sermon, I always find that God finds a way to make it real, to make it actually happen during that week. Yesterday, I was at home and I was studying in the living room and my wife comes in and says that our son, he, he's, his cough was a little bit weird. And so we got a little bit panicked and being new parents and overprotective, we decided, hey, let's go to the urgent care room because it just sounds wrong. So we took him over to the urgent care and it's a two hour wait. And so we're sitting there, it's like two hours, 10 minutes, two hours, 15 minutes. And we finally get in and I was frustrated. I was upset. I was a little bit angry, not because I had to wait because my mind was thinking, man, I'm not going to be prepared for my message this morning. 
because I don't have time to practice. I don't have time to rehearse. Here I am sitting in this lobby of this urgent care, and I've got my notes that I'm trying to read, but I just hear people coughing. I think, oh man, I'm just going to die of the coronavirus before I even get up on stage, right? Everybody's wearing masks. I'm like, this is insane right now. And this panic oversets me, and I was upset, and I didn't let the Spirit fill me because I became a little bit irritable towards Tiffany. And it was really rough for me to see on the other side of it, to see just my flesh taking over in those moments. And I got really quiet and reserved and I was upset. And I remember as we're sitting in the waiting room, the doctor comes in he's like, yeah, I hear something in the backside of him. That's something that doesn't sound right. And my mind's thinking, oh my gosh, my kid has like a hole in its lung or something like that. And I'm just in this panic mode. And I just kind of sat there and prayed. I said, God, there's so much going on in my mind right now. Health for my son, my relationship with my wife, my need, my desire to practice, to, to be well-learned and well-read when I stand up to present your word. I, I want to be able to do it all, but I'm struggling right now. And I was so stressed out. And we got back home after Oliver got home. Everything was fine with him, by the way. Um, we got back home and, you know, put him down. And I'm trying to sit there and read, but I was just so overwhelmed with everything. And when I got up this morning, I was just like, I have no idea how I'm going to do this today. But once I got here and once I started praying in the car right over here, I simply said, God, I'm trying to do this in my own strength. That's me trying to assert control in my life. And I know right now, I can see it evident that with me trying to take control, I am failing miserably. I'm overwhelmed. I'm stressed out. It's just a really rough situation. So I began to pray and say, God, just fill me with your spirit. Guys, I'm going to be talking about this whole concept of being truly grasping the fruits of the spirit and being full, overflowing with the spirit I pray that you do that to me. And I've seen that come true this morning. There's just been a peace. Even though I am well beyond my notes, I am completely off. I'm sorry, Tony. I'm not even following my notes anymore right now. I'm way off. But what it really came down to is, you know what? It's not about me. It's not about my desires. It's not about what I want to do. It's all about the Spirit living and breathing and moving through us. Because that's what God has called us to. God says, I want to give you that comfort. I want to give you that peace. And I have such a peace. I have such a joy. Some of you may be like, this is a terrible message. I'm never coming back again. But I have a peace about it right now, right? And it's just this great thing that's just overflowing inside of my life. And it's energized me. It's made me passionate because even though I was struggling, I just feel the presence of God living and breathing and moving inside of me right now. And I want that same thing for you. And I can tell you firsthand that it only comes when we truly let go. When we truly surrender control and say, God, your spirit is here. Let me tap into it. God, let it fill me. Let it overflow me. So that way I just don't feel dead and empty inside. Because that's what the spirit does for us. I mean, can you just imagine how different this world would be if we as Christians stop pushing our dead spiritual vehicles through this world and start using them as God intended them to be? full of gas, full of energy, going full speed ahead, knocking down obstacles in the name of Jesus Christ, changing this world and the power that comes from the Holy Spirit. You see, the power that exists inside of us in the Holy Spirit is greater than our power combined as a congregation apart from the Holy Spirit. And that's the power that wants to fill us up and change not just the world, but change your world too, because that's what God has called us to. So it's time for us to stop being uncomfortable. It's time for us to stop feeling like we're just depleted and out of gas spiritually and truly step into the life of overflowing a season of abundance that God has called us to by releasing control, giving over to him and saying, God, use me today. Would you pray with me? 
Father, it's uh, easy for us to be uncomfortable. God, it's so easy for us just to try to get everything done in our busy lives that we just run out of steam again and again and again. And God, we know wholeheartedly, Father, that you are here. God, that you are living and breathing amongst us. And God, it's time that we stop just using your gifts of the Holy Spirit, Father, using you as some reserve fuel, Father, but we truly tap into you to let you be constantly filling our lives in everything that we're going through, every moment, moment of fear, moment of worry, moment of doubt, moment of anger, moment of frustration, moment of anxiety, moments where we feel overwhelmed, God, that you would just overflow your presence in the midst of those things. God, that you would allow us to stop trying to take control of our lives because it never works. We always fall short, Father. And it just leaves us feeling even more empty and depressed and alone. So God, I pray that we would just go from this place today with a renewed mindset. Father, that we would just fully tap into you. Grab a hold of the Holy Spirit that you so freely give to us. Let our lives to become not just full, but overflowing in you and the fruits of the Spirit, that we would exhibit love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control everywhere we go, so when people see us, they see something that's different. And we can say it's the power of God inside of me. God, let us tap into your power this morning. Pray this in your name. Amen.